the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Hour two of the Pastor Scott Show. So good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557. Do you remember a couple of years ago, about three years ago, we shut down everything for COVID? Uh, we didn't even call it COVID. We called it coronavirus. That was that was the thing. And today we're ending coronavirus. Uh, we're ending COVID. We're not ending the disease. It's still out there. You can get it. But they, we are ending all the shutdown policies and, and uh, most of the uh, mandates – Mask mandates are gone in uh, most places, except for a couple of schools out there who are still forcing your kids to do it. And uh, the vaccine mandates are ending. I wonder if people will get their jobs back. But um, most of those things are ending. But it's also bringing us to a point of evaluation of the past and something that happens when we do that. And I think that's super important. We have to evaluate what happened here, because now that we have some time and distance, now that we're able to sort of look at it, you know, it's very clear that some things that were done were a mistake, and maybe they weren't a mistake at first, but they were a mistake eventually. And one of those things, probably one of the worst things that we did, there's a few, you know, locking up the old people, not letting them visit family or or have communication or contact with their family, I think was horrific. Um, but at least in those, in that regard, it was the older people who were the most at risk and um, so at least there was some kind of thinking, but somebody needs to to evaluate that because I don't want to do it again. The reason you evaluate is you do it again if you don't. You know, somebody said that experience is the best teacher, but uh, John Maxwell, maybe you've heard of him, pastor, he's a leadership guy. Uh, one of the things he likes to say is that experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated as experience is the best teacher. Because there's something true about our experience, and, and this is true in all of our lives. If we keep experiencing the same thing over and over and over again, um, we're not getting any better. We're not getting smarter. We're not doing anything. And sometimes you experience the same thing over and over and over again, and experience isn't a teacher at all. It's evaluated experience that matters. So as we evaluate there are some things that we needed to do better. I would say that the schools and the shutdowns of the schools was the biggest, the biggest thing. And we talked about this about a week ago because the AFT, American Federation of Teachers Union leader, Randy Weingarten, was testifying on Capitol Hill. And uh, this is what she had to say. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on, trying to get schools open, we knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City, I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was an ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified, others were terrified. 
And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves. And we worked with doctors and we worked with others and we just tried to get it out there. So there was a lot of criticism for her because nobody remembers it that way. People do not remember that the teachers unions were trying to open schools. And, you know, and as we talk about this, by the way, I want to make sure that uh, you understand. I understand that locally a lot of teachers wanted to go back. I don't know how many teachers were really voting to stay closed for, in some cases in the country, nearly two years. While in other parts of the country, schools opened up within weeks and opened up uh, about half the country was open up in the fall of 2020. In states like ours, where we didn't, we weren't even completely open. I think we didn't even drop the mask mandates until what, just January of 2022 or something like that? They really should wear the mask. In fact, that quote right there that I was using uh, back at the time is from a school administrator who was saying in the summer of 2022 in California that if children do not wear a mask to school, even though the whole world had stopped wearing masks, if children do not wear masks to school, then they should just not show up. They really should wear the mask. And what we have learned through the statistics is that children were harmed significantly by the shutdowns, not by the virus, by the shutdowns. And there's a lesson here, and I'm coming back to it because ever since the statements were made on Capitol Hill, what I find interesting is Randy Weingarten has been repeatedly saying that she was all for opening schools and tried hard to open schools and a whole lot of conversation. And publicly on social media, the interesting thing is people are fighting back. People on the left and right, right? This is not this is not something that, you know, for a while it was kind of a left and right thing. It really isn't anymore. Everybody agrees that the kids were harmed and everybody agrees that the schools should have been opened sooner. What ought to happen is that people who made mistakes or learned later about any issue like this, they just ought to say they're sorry. Yep, we blew it. We should have done this. You know, for schools, we should have said, hey, you know what? We watched a lot of schools open early across the country, and they did fine, and that should have been evidence for us to open the schools ourselves everywhere. We should have looked at that, and we didn't. Um, But she's doubling down on it online, and users on the Twitter machine keep coming after her about it. And on Twitter now, they have something where instead of the fact check, they have what's called a community check, where you can post links that would refute or complement something, a claim that somebody is making. And users on there have been just going after her with her own comments. Well, she's come to this point where what she's done is blocked everybody. So unless you follow her, you can't comment at all, which means you can't do all of that. And now what the, the statements are is this. She tweeted this yesterday, and this is what bugged me. She said, as, as others want to focus on 2020, our focus is on how to keep kids now helping them thrive and overcoming learning loss and loneliness, and uh, four strategies will help. Community schools, hands-on, blah, 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 blah. I'm all for moving forward. Absolutely, you got to move forward. But you also have to be accountable for what happened. And we're not doing that. And something that we do as people is we take a look at the past and we recreate it in our own minds. Sometimes we we recreate it in a way and we're deceiving ourselves. We believe the new version of something that we're telling. And so we tell ourselves it's not a lie because we actually believe it. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie 
if you believe it. See, that's uh, that's something that a lot of people, and that's something that we do. And I think we all struggle with that. When we when we revisit things from our past, particularly mistakes that we made, we find excuses, right? But that's not how we grow. That's not how we learn. And this is too serious. What this has done, especially for kids who are disadvantaged in poor neighborhoods around the country, including Los Angeles, San Diego, lots of places right here in California, we can never do that again. We have harmed people for life, these kids. And to say we're just not going to focus on it, uh, we can't. Now, there's media on both sides that are questioning some of our our leaders from the day. This is uh, Anthony Fauci, who was on Christiana Amanpour on CNN. But I want to know what you think you and the community got wrong. Was the closing of the schools too draconian? How much of a delay did the fact that nobody fully understood the asymptomatic spread of this, nobody figured out that it could actually bust through certain vaccine levels as well. What are the real takeaways and the real lessons? Now, that's her question. I think those are great questions. And this is coming from somebody who's on the left, right? So I think we've moved in some way. We've we've moved beyond. Now, maybe she's trying to make some excuse for, for some of these people as these things get reframed. There's definitely that going on. And there is something to say for, hey, we were wrong, but we changed and we got it right. This is the beginning of his response. Yeah, I think we have to get away from the blame game because so many of the things that you have mentioned were unknowns at the time. Now, I think that some of those things are correct, but once they were known, the direction did not change course, right? The people who were in leadership, they didn't change course. And the blame game for political purposes, you don't want to do that. But the blame game for learning so that we never do this again, you have to do that. Otherwise, we're going to do it again. The next time there's some virus that comes around, we're going to panic. We're going to shut down. We're going to shut down the schools and we're going to keep them closed too long. We can't do that again. I think it's too important for us. And it matters that in a world today where we don't think there is something called truth, in a world today where we can go back and try to reframe the truth. And it's happening in all kinds of ways. I think we're going to see it uh, in, the, in the political stuff this year, the presidential campaign. I think COVID policies are going to be a bunch of it. Some people aren't going to be right about it. In fact, you know, one of the things Donald Trump's being criticized for is that he is saying a whole bunch of stuff about Ron DeSantis, who's not yet in the race, but saying that he actually didn't open on time and being really critical about DeSantis and uh, his COVID policies of Florida, which is remarkable because he was very complimentary at the time. And the fact is, is that Ron DeSantis in Florida was right on the at the end of the day, they were heavily criticized. You know, he was Ron Death Santis and all because he opened the schools. Florida opened their schools in the summer of 2020. And there were court cases and stuff, and they fought with the unions. They fought with Randy Weingarten and everybody, but they opened up their schools. And they're not the only place that did. And it turned out that they were correct. At the end of the day, that was the right decision. And most people have come around to that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. Dr. Fauci continued this way, talking about schools. Different parts of the country interpreted that differently. There were schools that stayed closed far too long and longer than they should have. And there were those that essentially didn't close at all. You know, my daughter is a school teacher in New Orleans. They closed down for two weeks and were essentially open for the rest of the time. I didn't know that. That's an incredible thing there, that 
Dr. Fauci's daughter was a school teacher in New Orleans. They closed down for two weeks and were essentially open after that. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, we all, our personal experience and the things that we personally dealt with during that, that doesn't make it a fact, right? It doesn't mean it's true for everybody. We all we kind of deal with that, right? My experience is this, so it must be true for everybody. But I think it's really interesting that his own daughter went back to teaching other and schools. the result was and the result was you know they didn't do too badly i mean the kids got infected a lot of them did uh, you know virtually it was it was very difficult to determine and say well if you shut down this long you get no negative effect on the child and minimal effect on the infection those studies weren't done it was just trying to do as best as you can in the circumstances that you were in. Now, I don't think he's necessarily wrong to say that that's what you have to do, right? You have to make the decision that you got to make if you're the decision maker. You know, at the at the outset of the COVID, uh, you know, you have to kind of support people who are making those decisions. But it wasn't too long, I think, before you realized, wait a minute, these decisions aren't correct. And it also wasn't too long. And this is something that was important. Remember, we, we heard a lot about, and the reason I'm getting, I'm rehashing this, is I want to make this point. We cannot let people who made these decisions, rather than just say, hey, we made the wrong decision, we blew it, we'll do better next time, we're going to evaluate, which is the right decision, which we all have to have grace about that because we all make decisions. Rather than saying that, what's happening with some people, and I don't even mean Dr. Fauci here, I'm going to show you Randy Weingarten here pretty soon, they're denying that the decisions were made the way they were made. They are saying things that are not true and reframing what happened. And I think it's because if there's going to be any accountability for it, which I don't know if there is, but if there is, the only time for it is this upcoming election. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, the president's spokesperson, was asked today about schools and how terrible things were for the schools. And this is how that exchange went. Um, some data came out showing that eighth grade test scores in U.S. history reached their lowest levels on record. And what can I don't know if you can hear that, but scores came out today. Eighth grade scores on history at their lowest record on lowest scores on record. Right, that we are not doing better in schools. Most people think you know it's been declining for a while. You know, people are passing classes but not getting educated in so many ways. And what are we going to do about it right now because of the COVID, particularly in inner city neighborhoods, this is the case. And he's asking what's going to be done. The administration do to help kids catch up who lost so much during the pandemic. Look, as you just said, kids have lost so much in the pandemic. This is why when the president walked in, he made that he made a priority uh, to open schools. Uh, One of the things that was important to do to make sure. That's not true, by the way. And we'll get into that in a minute. There was not a priority to open school. There were statements about it. The president said, we're going to open all the schools in 100 days. Well, only about 60% of the schools were even open for in-person in the fall of 2021. That our kids who have lost so much were able to go back in-person school if they choose, have the resources that they needed uh, that to, to really succeed and move forward uh, in their education. And we saw that, unfortunately, the pandemic had a, uh, a unfortunate effect on our young on our young people on no, our the, kids. the shutdowns had an unfortunate effect we need to understand that that the pandemic was serious it was real you know people who were calling it a fraud there was a lot of there's a lot of death that happened because of coronavirus and especially with older folks and especially with people who had other comorbidities it was very serious but with kids 
it was almost nothing. And I don't want to take away if you know somebody or you have a kid, you know, who, who got it and actually was hurt by it. But it's very tiny numbers, very, very, very tiny number of kids. What was happening in the schools? You know, this is something, and as I, as I talk about this, sometimes, you know, and if you're a teacher out there, hear me. I know that you're working hard in the classrooms. And I know my personal opinion is we need to get rid of unions and a lot of the bureaucracy that's going on in our education system and let you handle your classroom more. That's what I think. You know, I think that part of the solution to our school system is getting rid of the bureaucrats and getting rid of the political pressure that is unions and the political work that is going on with the unions and the bureaucrats that have expanded over the last 30 or 40 years exponentially the number of people who are not in the classroom, the number of people who do not have the experience that teachers have. And, you know, and I know as a teacher, a public school teacher, you see the same way that lots of other people do, the crackpots that are making their way on TikTok and then social media and then get put all over the the media. And it's a big problem. It's a big problem that we're seeing people teaching our kids who in some cases seem like psychopaths. And you wonder why L.A. schools, for example, are down, what, 150,000 kids or 100,000 kids, something like that, because of parents taking the kids out to private school, home school, and which is what I would honestly say you should do. But hear me that I'm, I'm not saying that's the fault of all the teachers, but there are some teachers who are involved in not teaching courses, but into teaching ideology. And that's what's driving people out. That's what's driving people down. That's why there's a lot of difficult things. And that is not coming from just the teachers, though. It's coming from the unions. It's coming from a larger cabal of people in far-left politics and academia. So hear me. Love you as the teachers. Support you. I always send you to christianteachers.org. It's a great place. And even though we promote private schools, which are what I've done with my kids, and that's what I would tell any parent, you go to private school, you homeschool your kid— It's not because of every teacher. It may not even be most of the teachers, but there's some element that's happening in our schools all over the place that is damaging our kids. And this is part of the reason. So I want to get into that. This is uh, Pastor Scott's show. The number is 888-528-2557. Is it true? Is it true that the teachers unions were trying to keep schools open during the COVID? Is it true that since February 2020, as Randy Weingarten said, that she was trying to open up schools. This is Randy Weingarten from the summer of 2020. And if people are in high risk, they shouldn't be in school. They should be doing things remotely. Just because Donald Trump wants to take a risk with people who go to bars or beaches, those of us who have spent our life teaching kids are not going to take a risk with kids or with our members' lives. Now, let me tell you what's happening there. This is the summer of 2020. And what happened in the summer of 2020, so this isn't 2021, this is 2020. And this is something we cannot forget. By July of 2020, businesses were starting to reopen. The churches had to fight, but they were reopening. Lots of churches. Some churches were open all the time, but many churches closed for several weeks, a couple of months. But a lot of churches were opening at this point. Theaters were beginning to open. And, you know, she mentions the bars and the beaches. Remember that we closed the beaches, we clo- 
you would get arrested for going to the beach. I remember the first time they sort of opened the beach and you weren't allowed to sit on the beach. You had to continuously walk on the beach. And Christy and I and the family were walking on the beach and there's police officers driving up and down to make sure you don't sit down on the beach and enjoy yourself. You know, we started to understand that locking everybody in was not the solution, that going outdoors was much better for you. And what also was happening is the schools were opening, but they were not opening in a way that was opposed to the science. Do you know what the science was saying in July of 2020? This is the science, ready? The CDC, okay, that's the science, right? The CDC revised its school guidance to stress the importance of in-person learning. About 7.1 million kids get their mental health services at schools because we were already recognizing that whatever the threats are of the COVID, it's worse having the kids out of school. It's a worse risk for them than having them in school. It's worse having them out than having them in. 7.1 million kids get their mental health service at schools, CDC Director Robert Redfield said in a congressional hearing that summer 2020. They get their nutritional support from schools. We're seeing an increase in drug use disorder as well as suicide in adolescent individuals. I do think it's really important to realize it's not public health versus the economy about school reopening. Lots of arguments happening, of course, about the economy, lots of back and forth. And, of course, it's a presidential election year. But you have to recognize that the science in the summer of 2020 was already saying open the schools. And many states were doing that. But the teachers unions were not. Remote and hybrid are really the only two ways you can reopen um, schools safely. Now, this is the person who is telling you right now that she did everything she can to open up the schools for in-person learning. This is the summer of 2020 and going against the science. you got to delay school opening because if you don't have the mask, how are you going to be able to do this? There's a huge difference between working in Walmart and working in a school. You know, even a situation like Florida, where it was pretty clear that schools should not reopen, and where Miami schools did not reopen because you had um, people who were courageous and who were willing to defy DeSantos's denials. So she makes it political. I want you to hear that too. This matters. We cannot politicize public health. One of the reasons that we all have troubles and people arguing with each other is we've done that. When we come back, I'll continue with this because I think it's important for us to not lose it. And we can't make this left and right. We can't turn this into something against Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or something for one side or the other. We have to do what is true. We have to understand what was right. And at the end of the day, the people who stood up to Ron DeSantis were wrong. They were not courageous. They were wrong. And by the way, the schools opened in Florida, all of them in the fall of 2020. We'll be right back. Pastor Scott Show, Wednesday edition. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Telling us, though, is that the wisest scientific move is to have children in school. Is that they're trying to figure out a regional um, a regional way of opening and closing like they did after they the Jewish holidays. They don't need to close. That's the point. The they don't of... need to close is the point. Martha. That when you hit that, no, it says a measurement established by the teachers the union mayor... over the summer in order to reach an agreement to reopen in the no. first place was a 3% threshold. The mayor set the 3% threshold, what the teachers union did in New York City, 
afterwards was to say these are the safeguards that we need and this is the testing we need. Given that, all of these experts and scientists say that children are safer in school. It's worked across Europe. It's worked across the UK. They never closed their schools during their second spike. And now they're in recovery. They're down 10 percent. And the kids are not missing out. That was Randy Weingarten, the teachers union president in the summer of 2020. I want you to go back to 2020. This is the first year of the pandemic and the shutdowns. And the argument was schools need to reopen. Schools were shut down. And some schools across the country were reopening. But the teachers union was fighting that in many of the states. And the the point to hear is that today, Randy Weingarten is saying that she was doing everything she could to open the schools. But the history says something different. And we can't do that. We have to hold people accountable. I think what she should say is, yeah, you know what? We had worries about safety and we worried about this and that. But it was very clear that it would have been no problem opening the schools. And the reason it's a problem is because we hurt kids. I just feel like we have got to separate the left and right stuff from, if anything, from kids, from what's happening to kids, in particular with their education. It matters. Education and Getting educated, not just getting a degree or getting graduated, not getting the piece of paper, but the actual education, learning your math, learning your English, learning how to communicate, all of those things, they matter. And we knew by the summer of 2020 that the science favored kids going back to school. The CDC was favoring kids going back to school. And the argument that we were following the science, it's not true. And we can't let this be rewritten because we hurt kids. We can't. Summer of 2020, it continues. These are clips from many interviews, mostly from CNN and MSNBC. And so after hospitals, I think we have schools that reopen, that we can reopen elementary schools in particular and schools for kids with special needs safely when we have the testing. Members of that 25,000 strong union voted in the majority to stay at home for at least another two days to defy Chicago Public Schools orders to return to the classroom. Does the AFT stand 100% behind the Chicago union? So, of course, we stand 100% behind the Chicago union. Is this semester, is this school year probably not going to have full school openings? Well, So let me, I'm glad you asked that question, um, uh, Chuck, because what does full school opening mean? If you have, if you do six feet of physical distancing, you're essentially saying in a school, you're going to have, you're going to have about 50% or 60% of people in there at any one time. So what you have is a back and forth. Now this is, that was MSNBC, CNN. This is not Fox. This is the summer of 2020. And the these teachers unions, in this particular case, the Chicago teachers union voted overwhelmingly to stay home and not reopen the schools. In the meantime, Florida is completely open. In the meantime, even in California, private schools were open. Private schools were open. Some charter schools were open. And across the country, at this point, about half of the schools were open. And I'm saying this because the argument that we did everything we could to open the schools, particularly in our inner city areas, is not true. We did everything we could to keep them closed. We worried about safety things. We worried about multiple different things. We cannot lose that in the argument because kids are hurt. 
you want to join the conversation, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Wendy in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, my name is Winnie Jackson. I love the Lord with all my heart. Hi, Winnie. I'm going to be 80 years old. Oh. I've been working with kids for over 60 years. And yeah. let me just share with you. I hear where you're coming from, but that ain't the beginning. Yeah. It ain't got nothing to do. It has nothing to do with COVID. In the 1970s, those teachers who were born teachers began to leave. They used to send kids to the blackboard, young kids. You learned nouns, pronouns, mm. adjectives, adverbs. You learned how to write, and therefore you learned how to read. That was part of it. That was part of the discussion. That's right. And they, that counterpart was at home. Then the kids would go home, and it was reinforced by the parents. And so it was a partnership between the school, the old teachers, and the parents. And then we, hey, in those days, parents, uh, teachers could show up at your house. You know, like, That's oh, right. wait a minute, Johnny didn't do his work, okay? Okay, so fast forward. The teachers that were born teachers begin to exit the system, go home in the 70s, moving into the 80s. So at a point in the 80s, you had a generation of young people, young teachers, who have been taught differently that, oh, you don't need all that stuff. And they began to go away. I mean, they began to come into the system as the old ones went away. So all of the tenacity, the strength, the aggressiveness to teach, to learn, that began to go away. Mm. A very, I did a program called Operation Read, uh, Read for the Honorable Don Kanabi, who was at that time a county supervisor. I told him, let me do it my way. And he said, Winnie, what do you want to do? I said, you have to reward kids. You have to reward them for what they do. Let me do it my way. So I contacted the council. Well, we have the Office of Protocol in Los Angeles, a wonderful lady there. She will go out of her way to help. I said, I need to talk to the Council General of New Zealand because the film I was looking at, Learning Good and Evil, came from that place. And I looked at the test scores for New Zealand. I said, okay, well, how can theirs be that and this be this? Mm, something is wrong. So I, I did. Uh, uh, she helped me get through. Council General Daryl Dunn, I, I asked him, I said, could you please allow me? I want to write a letter to Prime Minister Helen Clark, yeah, the and, 37th city Prime Minister of New Zealand. And what ultimately and happened, Winnie? She was an advocate. Yeah. She came. She came and she told me, she said, your nation is wrong. Children are not your future. They're the seed that solidifies your foundation and your base. If you don't educate them, inform them, expand their, expand their gamut of learning. She said, you got none. But what we learned was the kids' test scores were in the toilet, absolutely in the toilet. Yeah. Okay. So we did Operation Read. We did Lord of the Rings. Everybody helped me. She helped me. Air New Zealand, Peter Jackson, everybody helped me. New Line Cinema. And I said, let me do it my way. I said, kids, if you read this book, I got the books donated. I said, I know they said you can't read. But I'm telling you, if you read this book enough to give me a page and a half, just give me a page and a half, you're going to get to see that movie before it's even released. And they looked at me and they're like, what? I went to the teachers. I said, let them do it. 
They said they, they, they said they can't do it. They, they, so, they let them try. So how did this work out? Because I want to get to you too. Uh, I, the the point here, and and the book Lord of the Rings. If people have not read the book, it's a difficult book to read. It's a great book, but difficult. So you challenge those kids. Five thousand kids did it. Yeah. Five thousand wrote. They got to see the movie before. I sent eight kids to New Zealand who who toured all of the schools from all races of kids. I did eight. Yeah. Went. Do you understand? They came back and told me we can't catch them. They're too far ahead of us in their in their information base. Mm. Then I got stuff from Prince Charles and Camilla. They told me that if I could get they whatever he was doing, whatever he was involved in, he said that Oxford University was looking to open and allow uh, kids if they get good grace and could pass their test that they could give them two years free yeah. at Oxford. I had a kid with a 4.89, never looked at TV, never read every book she could find, wanted to be a surgeon, first in her family to finish school. I mean, it took every test yeah. here. We get we get to Oxford. I see countries there from Africa, New Zealand, uh, 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 Finland. I'm going to have to take a break here in a minute. So as you're talking about this, you know, I'm just, number one, I'm thinking what a great teacher you are and why we need people like you. What ultimately do we need to do to get to a place where we can compete globally educationally? What you have to do is all of them old teachers that are in retirement homes and sitting there, bring them back and (laughs) let them re- let them speak into the lives of the teachers that you've got now. Whatever it was that drove them, that, 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 that made them so much a part of it, it was innate within them. Do you feel like kids. there's, there's me, teacher shortages me, everywhere, mm-hmm. and do you feel like it's because they're not able to teach the way they, they are skilled at teaching, that they're hindered by the, the bureaucracy? Is, no, what, I'm, what, I, what I think is they're not teaching the old way. See, everybody thinks the yeah. new way is the best way. That's not it. Yeah. It's the old way. Yeah. Go back to basics. Winnie, I've got to go to a, I've got to go to a commercial break, but I think your your spirit is right. We've got to go back to educating people. What I like to say is that we need to be more about education than we are graduation. Graduation is important, but it doesn't matter if we're not educating. Read and write, and if they can't count. And if you got them texting and they can't spell, you jacked. You, yeah, for life. For life, you can't do it. Wendy, thank you for your call. I have to go to a commercial, but I appreciate that. And, you know, Wendy's right is uh, listen to her passion about this. I think that there's a lot of teachers who are in the schools who have that, but it's been it's been tamped down. It's the bureaucracy, the unions, the agendas of in, in the schools. It's mostly left wing. Uh, it is. At the end of the day, we're harming our kids, and that really is the point. That's why we can't let these things go. And she's also right. This didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't like everything was going great in 2019. We have been losing ground for 50 years. i got to take a break. The Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. We're going to have everyone back in September, 100%. Not 100%. If we get the testing, the vaccine prioritization, and these mitigation strategies, 85% of them are comfortable being in school. So essentially, we got 
put our money where our mouth is, which is if it's really important to do, we've got a roadmap, let's make it happen. But that's that's a lot of ifs. Everyone is asking when and how are we getting our students, our children back into those classrooms full time? So full time is going to depend upon um, what's going on with physical distancing and um, and what's going on with the variants. And I just hope this is not a rush to put in twice as many deaths in a place where we're really starting to get things reopened. I'm surprised to hear you think that this is a rush. The American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten says the union is reserving judgment for now. Why not? Not 100%. If we get, geez, we got well time. So full time is going to depend upon um, with the variants. And I just hope this is not a rush to put in variants and with physical distancing and um, and what's going on with the variants. And I just hope this is not a rush to with the variants on with physical distancing and um, on um, time. So full time is going to depend upon um, what's going on with physical distancing and um, and what's going on with the variants. And I just hope depend upon um, what's going on with physical distancing and um, and what's going on with the variants. And I just hope this is not a rush to put in twice as many deaths in a place where we're really starting to get things reopened. I'm surprised to hear you think that this is a rush. Really start in twice as many. And I just hope and um, and what's going on with the variants. And I just distancing and uh, upon um, what's going on with physical distancing and um, and what's going on with the variants. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. And I just hope this is not a rush to put in twice as many deaths in a place where we're really starting to get things reopened. I'm surprised to hear you think that this is a rush. The American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten says the union is reserving judgment for now. Why not trust the CDC's guidance? We have to figure out in all these schools right now, which have been set up for six feet physical distancing, how this is going to work. You recently pushed back on the CDC's new social distancing guidelines for schools from six feet to three. Why? Because, you know, in because trust is actually earned. That was the American Federation of Teachers, President Randy Weingarten, in a clip. We've been playing several clips this hour because she today is claiming that she did everything she could and the unions did everything they could to open the schools for in-person learning full time. And the history does not show that. And it's important because kids are hurt. And I realize there's a lot of left and right that was a part of this. But by the time you get to those quotes, what's interesting is that we're now into 2021. 
Now, in 2020, in the fall of 2020, the CDC said open the schools. The summer of 2020, as we played, the CDC says open the schools. And you have unions voting against the schools opening. You have the vaccinations coming out in December of 2020. Teachers were first in line in December 27, 2020. A second federal COVID aid package gave $54 billion to schools. $190 billion, in fact, actually, to help schools pay for tutors and cleaning supplies and do all the things. In the meantime, half the schools now are open. Half the schools in the country are open, but schools here in California are not. And by open, I mean full-time in-person. So some schools that opened with with just the distance learning over the Internet, which we know is a disaster. Some schools were partial you know, or open only two days a week. There are different different levels of opening that was going on during this period of time. But the point is, is that today for people who say we did all this three years ago and they didn't, we cannot allow that. We have to allow for people to say, hey, we made a mistake or, hey, we did the best we could with the knowledge we have. But the point I'm making here is that the knowledge that we had at the time said open the schools. That was the science at this point. January 2021, President Biden comes into office. He says uh, that he wants to unify efforts to reopen schools within the first 100 days of his administration. It doesn't happen. And then the clip you hear there, see the CDC said, you don't need six feet, you need three feet. Remember the social distancing we had to do? Well, the idea was six feet apart in desks, uh, which you didn't have to do in the private schools and other places, oddly enough. Well, the CDC said three feet is good enough. And the teachers union said, no, we don't buy it because we don't trust it, which I just find remarkable. And if you continue down this path, May 13th, American Federation of Teachers says schools must reopen five days a week in person in the fall of 2021. And if we continue to hear the comments, the AFT hedges on that. By the summer of 2021, everyone knew the mask thing was was bogus. Most adults who wanted to get vaccinated were 97 percent or something like that of, of teachers in this area were vaccinated. And they still wanted vaccination mandates before they would open the schools. In the meantime, the kids are suffering greatly. See what I mean? It comes down to this. And our last caller uh, Winnie, who had been a school teacher for a long time, she recognizes that this has been a problem for a long time uh, going on in different ways. But we aren't putting the kids first. And we have to. Our country's in a lot of trouble. And it's kind of like when you get in a little bit of debt and you're managing it okay, but then you have some major financial problems. Then you get in a lot of debt because you really couldn't manage it and suddenly you're drowning in debt. I think that's kind of what happened. We are in a lot of trouble already educationally. Scores are down. And then we have the pandemic hit and the shutdowns, and now we're in grave trouble, and we've wounded a lot of kids. See what I mean? We just can't pretend that didn't happen. I understand that it's, you know, we want to say, well, we don't want to be about 2020. We've got to look forward. We have to do that, but we have to evaluate. 888-528-2557. Dolores in San Diego, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Dolores. Oh, I'm just so glad I was listening to your your conversation. Uh-oh, I think we lost you. Dolores, you there? Oh, we lost you. Call us back, uh, Dolores, uh, if you can. 888-528-2557. David in Culver City, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, hey, Scott. You know, I think you're, you're, kind, you're in error about private schools. Both my children go to private schools. They're secular private schools, and they're among the they're really prestigious, very good private schools. Many private schools were following 
the mandate of, of online learning until 2021. And the elementary But not all of them. I, and in uh, California, wait, it's a little different. Me, and and me, go, hold on, hold on. You're right that everybody kind of had a different way of approaching, but many schools, including the, kid were, the schools where my kids were and where my wife works, was fully open in person in fall of 2020 in okay, California. But you, said, you, but you said all the private schools. And the private school that my son goes to, uh, one of the people they were getting advice from was another parent who's a professor of epidemiology at UCLA. So she had a different opinion than what you're saying. You're correct. There were differences of opinions in the private schools. You're correct. I should not have said all. Okay, well, that's number one. Number two, the problem in education, like your your previous caller said, I think is very simple. We don't pay teachers enough. And right now, you know, 50 years ago, there were a lot of very capable women teachers. Right now, if you're a capable, highly educated woman, you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. You're not going to be a teacher and earn and earn the low salary. But do you think that's just because of pay that that people aren't passionate about teaching and uh, and don't go into that profession anymore? It's it's a very big factor. It's huge. I mean, the pay discrepancy is gigantic. To be a teacher, you still have to go to college. So you'd be eligible to earn a lot more money in the private sector. And you think that's the reason that the most capable teachers are not going into teaching anymore? I, first of all, I didn't say it's the only reason. I think yeah. it's a big reason. Yeah, you might I be right. I went to public. I went to public school, and I had some very capable teachers. And now I talk to children that are going to public schools, and I'm not impressed with most of the teachers. They might be passionate about it, but in general, and again, it's a generalization, the smartest people are not, the smartest women do not go into teaching, and that's unfortunate. So I think we have to do a lot to make the schools a better place. And I know you won't agree with this either, but I think we have a lot of parents interfering with what books can be read. We have book banning. We have all kinds of well, things. Well, the book thing is a pretty recent thing. I mean, we've been, and, I, and they're talking about banning pornography in there. They're, you know, there's a few things that get thrown in there that aren't there. But, you know, mostly, mostly though, David, I'm, I'm with you. Dolores, call back. I want to grab her call, but I appreciate your call. I think, number one, he is right about the pay. Right. That the teacher pay, it's a little better than it was. But the way, particularly with inflation and other things, it's pretty bad. And if we care about our kids in education, we need to make it attractive for the best teachers. But I I also believe that there are a lot of great teachers. I think that I know a lot of teachers in the public school who are great teachers. A lot of you listening are great teachers. You care a lot. But you are burdened by the the politics in schools. You're burdened by the the administration oversight into what you can and cannot do, and that's another reason. And the the you know the agendas that are political in schools, they're I think also sending people out uh, across the country. Uh, Dolores, welcome back. Hi, Dolores. Hi. I don't know when we got cut off. Right at the I beginning, I only heard the first couple of things you said. Okay. Well, I'm a retired uh, school teacher. I worked as a substitute for several years before the pandemic. In fact, I worked to the very last day that the San Diego school closed. But I agree so much with the other caller as far as our, our school situation just going down the tubes. And as a substitute teacher, I was able to go to different schools. And I could see, you know, all of this woke stuff going on, you know, no 
no American flag in the classroom and some of the kids you know, not even There's a lot of change. Wanted. We're almost out of time here. Would you say, okay. though, that there's a lot of good teachers who are still around who just need the freedom to teach better? Oh, yeah. yeah. I See, totally agree with I that. Think I think that's – there's a lot of different problems, but I think that is one, is that we have a lot of great teachers who aren't even allowed to teach the way they would teach if they had control. And and they're afraid to say anything because, you know, the the uh, association or the what is it the the uh, organization in in itself the administration just doesn't let you. Yeah, you I'm know, about out of time, uh, Dolores. I appreciate your call and your input there. And by the way, if you're listening and you are a teacher in a public school, if you have never heard of ChristianEducators.org, I think I said Christian Teachers before, but it's ChristianEducators.org. Check out that website. It's a great website to support you and the different things that you're going through, ChristianEducators.org. There's obviously there's a lot in this conversation that uh, needs needs to be dealt with. I feel like most people understand, but the point for this hour is we can't go back and change the past. We can apologize. We can acknowledge that, hey, things change and we might have been wrong, but the information changed. All that's real. All that is good. But we cannot deny what is true just to fit uh, our agenda. And we have to hold people accountable. And in this case, it's because of the kids and there's kids that are hurt. And we're going to have to hold people accountable for that. All right, I'm out of time. We'll be back tomorrow on the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you for joining me today. You can get the podcast, Spotify, Apple, KKLA.com. Have a great night. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.